Praise God. Well, today is uh, session number six on receiving and walking in the blessing of Pentecost. Uh, we've been speaking along these lines for several weeks now. Pastor Vanessa has already uh, also brought a message uh, along the you know, lines of the baptism with the Holy Spirit and so forth. And, and God's kind of instructed me to keep going in this thing for a little while. Uh, like we're not about to move on to other things. Like I, I really believe that, uh, that God wants us to stay on this for a while. And, you know, we are amongst other things a Pentecostal church. And, uh, and how tragic it would be if we kind of push Pentecost to the side and almost forget about it. And so uh, I'm kind of looking back over the last few Sundays and, you know, we've been doing a little bit more speaking in tongues than what we normally would. And have you know that that's a good thing, all right, that we kind of get kind of uh, kick-started back into it. And uh, in fact, uh, just as a, show for, as a matter of interest, how many of you today are speaking in tongues more than what you did, say, a month or six weeks or, or a couple of months ago? Well, there you are. And so really, and, and have you know that, that, uh, that it's been to your benefit, that you're stronger because of it, uh, that your relationship with God is closer because of it. So, you know, the, the, the messages that God brings, this is a now word, this is a word in season, and God wants to kickstart us back into it. Uh, people that have been baptized with the Holy Spirit many, many years ago and let things wane a little bit and slip away a little bit and, and to get that kick-started again. And others that have never heard about Pentecost and the blessing of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is to usher them into this experience uh, as well so that we can be totally filled with the Holy Spirit, live a life of victory and be empowered to serve God in these last days. How many of you know that we are in the last days? Uh, how many know that, uh, that Jesus is coming back soon? Praise God. And so we need to be ready for that. And I firmly believe that, uh, that part of the mandate of this church is that God wants to use us to bring about a significant outpouring of the Spirit in our city here, in our region, and to be able to transport that into different places, uh, nationally as well as internationally. That's what God has uh, mandated for us to do. So we need to be strong for these last days. We need to be filled. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm not the only one that ought to be teaching on these things. You, you ought to be teaching on these things. In fact, praise God, we get people carrying away our outlines into other places and they reteach it in other places and to bring that, the blessing, you know, that revelation into other areas and into other places. And that's absolutely awesome. So I'm reading again from Acts chapter 2, verse 1 uh, through to verse 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so just to repeat again what we've said so far, that uh, 2,000 years ago, on the day of Pentecost, uh, the initial outpouring of the Spirit took place. And God's been pouring out His Spirit along the way. And especially in these last days, we're going to see more of the fulfillment uh, of uh, what God has intended, what He started 2,000 years ago. And we said that... Uh, Pentecost isn't just a calendar uh, kind of a date on the calendar 
Christian calendar, Pentecost about two, three Sundays ago, we celebrated a Pentecost Sunday. It's not just a date, but it is the experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't had the experience yet, I would encourage you to step into it. I'd encourage you to lay a hold of it. All right. Now, this morning, I would like to uh, look at some of the teaching uh, that Jesus Christ brought on the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that certain messages go off with more of a rah-rah than others, and sometimes we've got to just pay attention. Um, and and, uh, and uh, I think this morning is going to be one of those messages where you've got to pay attention. You got to, uh, now, have you know, you always got to pay attention, but sometimes it demands a bit more attention from us uh, to not allow our minds to wander. And uh, as I say, I believe that uh, the teaching on the Holy Spirit and some solid teaching on the Holy Spirit, and teaching for the baptism of the Holy Spirit rather than against it, as you sometimes hear, is very, very important. And uh, sometimes you find that people that have been baptized with the Holy Spirit for years and years and years still got wrong understandings uh, or still lack the right understanding uh, in different areas, and therefore they're hindered to step into the fullness of what God has for them. So I would like to pick up on some of these uh, teachings that Jesus brought uh, uh, to his disciples. Uh, in fact, Jesus was gathered together with the 12 disciples uh, sharing the Last Supper. Um, and, of course, we just had communion before, which is kind of to relive that whole uh, Last Supper where Jesus started a new uh, covenant uh, with us and where the old covenant has been uh, kind of made obsolete and the new covenant uh, replacing the old and so forth. And uh, amongst his last words, he brought some teaching about the Holy Spirit, which is kind of significant if you think about it. Uh, if somebody were to go on a long, long journey... And they say, look, let me just quickly get it together with the family. There's a few important things that I need to tell you. Take care of this. Do that. And remember that this is important. That's important. And then he's gone. All right. How do you know that they wouldn't fluff around with unnecessary words if they were gone for a long journey? Well, Jesus knew he was about to leave for about 2,000 years. Um, and, and he's telling his disciples some very, very important things. Of course, he's giving them the Great Commission. He's uh, kind of modeling the kind of lifestyle, the kind of leadership that he wanted them to, 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 to live. So he washed their feet. That as leaders in the body of Christ, we are servant leaders. That's who we are. We don't dominate, but we serve. We lead by serving and various other things. They talk to them about end times and different things. But uh, uh, part of the teaching that he brought to them just before he left uh, was on the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And so I would like to pick up on some of these scriptures here and go through it like point by point. Let's just take our time. And as I say, this might not be a great rah, rah, rah sort of a message, but let's just lay a hold of something here this morning. So far, we have looked at some of the, some of the teaching on the Holy Spirit that was brought by the Apostle Paul and by some of the others. But this morning, I would like to look at some of the teaching uh, of of Jesus, and also look at a couple of uh, uh, Old Testament scriptures uh, that fit into that uh, uh, into that uh, message very well. So here in John chapter 14, um, by the way, um, the Last Supper took place when Jesus sat down with his disciples from John chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, um, and, and just slightly on from there until they got up and they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was captured, he was tried, and he was crucified. So that's kind of where the whole thing kind of fits. All right. And here in chapter 14, uh, Jesus had just been... Um, 
you know, telling Judas to go out. He just betrayed him, and, and he is gone. And, and Jesus is now left with 11 disciples. And, uh, and he knows he's about to go, um, and, uh, and he's about to be crucified. Uh, of course, he was to meet with them after his resurrection for a period of, of, of time to teach them some more about the Holy Spirit, and then he was going to be gone for 2,000 years. So he says here in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everybody say, another helper. He says that he may abide with you forever. Now, why does he say abide forever? Because Jesus couldn't abide with them forever. He says, I've got to go. He says, I can't stay here. He says, I'm going to the Father. But when I get to the Father, I'm going to, to petition the Father that he will give you another helper. Uh, uh, another helper. Uh, now, Jesus had been their helper up to now. And his disciples, absolutely, if they needed anything, they said, Jesus, we need this. Uh, Jesus, can you help us to understand that? Jesus, can you teach us this? Uh, uh, Jesus, we got no food. Uh, you know, he, he, he was their helper. Yeah. Uh, everything that they needed, he was it. But he is about to go. And he says, when I go, he says, I'm going to pray the Father that he will give you another, another helper, another helper. And we've pointed out before that that word another there, you know, the Greek language is very precise. It's not just another one, just random, but another one of the same kind. Um, he says, I will, he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Have you know that when the Holy Spirit uh, comes to take up residence on the inside of us, Jesus says he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. He doesn't come and go. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, the, the Holy Spirit was upon the, the, the kings, uh, the prophets, and the priests for various functions. And there was like a coming and a going. The anointing came on them. They were able to achieve great things, and then the anointing lifted again. And then when they needed him again, you know, it came again and, and so forth. But he says, when the Holy Spirit comes to you, he says, when, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, he will not leave you. He will, it's not, it'll not become and go. Now, they're still in the pond. They're still an anointing sort of a deal. But in terms of your day-to-day -day life, uh, rising up in the morning, uh, working and resting and sports and family and responsibilities and going to bed again in the evening and sleeping all night, says he is with you all the time, all the time. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. Now, we might say, well, of course he doesn't. Well, you need to understand that Jesus is speaking to guys that have been established in the Old Testament. This is radical teaching. This is like brand new. We take it for granted today. But for these guys, that was like brand new. He says he will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. Now, you know, we need to realize that uh, both the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we're speaking about the Trinity here, and when we're talking about the Trinity, Holy Spirit, we're talking about the third member of the Trinity, as with all the other, or as with the other two, that they've all got multiple names, and we need to realize when we read about the Holy Spirit, and then we read about the Spirit of Truth, um, and then we read about the Spirit, capital S, it's all speaking about the same person. When the Holy Spirit has come to you, he says, the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive. The world cannot receive. See, the people in the world need to get born again before they can receive the Holy Spirit. And we pointed out last week that in the case of Cornelius, 
in his household. They were not born again, but they were, he was like a God seeker. And he, he, he kind of prayed and, and God spoke to him in a dream and he told him to send for Peter. And when Peter came and began to preach the gospel to them, these guys got born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, all part and parcel of this whole process. But uh, we've said that that's typically the exception. The rule is that somebody gets born again or has to get born again before they can receive the, the second blessing, uh, which is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I'm totally and utterly convinced that when somebody gets born again, the sooner they can receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the better it is. All right. It's no, there's no point in leaving days, weeks or months or tragically years in between the new birth and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The sooner, the better. And I think we should almost like make Cornelius in his household the pattern, like somebody get born again, get him filled with the Holy Spirit, like right there. Why? Because they need the Holy Spirit. And as we will see today, with Jesus re-emphasizing over and over, he says, don't go anywhere until you have received the Holy Spirit. He says, the world cannot receive, he says, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. He dwells with you. How was that? Well, well, Jesus, uh, of course, is the second member of the Trinity, and not only that, but Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he operated, he was like right there with them. So he says, you recognize, he says, he's been with you all the time. But, but Jesus says, I'm leaving, but then the Holy Spirit will come, and he says, he will be in you. Uh, Jesus, you know, uh, Jesus, when he was with them, he was on the outside of them. He, he, he was with them, but he says, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will be in you. So not only is the Holy Spirit among us, but he's in us. All right? And this is radical, like as far as Old Testament is concerned, this is like brand new. So when the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence on the inside of us, we have the helper. All right. And in the, in the outline, I put the word helper, capital H, capital E, capital L, capital P, capital E and capital R. The helper. Everybody say the helper. And, uh, you know, in the Greek, it says parakletos. And parakletos uh, that word was used in common Greek language for somebody that was going to draw alongside to help. Um, and somebody says, well, what's the Holy Spirit going to help me with? Well, the question is, a better question to ask is, what do you need help with? Because whatever you need help with, he wants to help you. <laughs> and that's probably the biggest revelation out of this whole message here. Whatever you need help with, that's what he's going to help you with. All right? It's not just helping in this area, helping in that area. He helps us with everything. Everything, whatever you need. He will lead you and guide you. He will strengthen you. He'll help you understand the Bible when you read it. He'll help you to, to, to go to work and to do a good day's job. And he helps you to, to, to be wise in your affairs. He helps you. He speaks to you. He teaches you. He, he instructs you. Uh, he gives you discernment. He shows you what's going to happen in the future. He helps you to deal with the past. What do you need help with? Whatever you need, he wants to be your helper. All right. It's sometimes, it's sometimes people say, well, he'll help you with this and with that. And it's like people want to stick the Holy Spirit into a box. You can't put the Holy Spirit in a box. He doesn't want to be in a box. He wants to be in people. And he wants to help people with whatever they need help with. All right. Praise God. How many of you are excited this morning? Just to let me know you're excited. Praise God. All right. 
So what do you need help with? So it would stand to reason that the more we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more we have the helper helping us. Would that be a fair, a fair statement? Some Christians are not drawing on that help hardly at all. They sort of struggle on, try the best that they can, struggle, got their ups and downs, and everything else. You know, somebody said once, uh, somebody said once, how are you doing? And the person replied, said, well, all right, con uh, you know, under the circumstances. And, and you know, we usually say, look, we're not supposed to be under the circumstances. We are supposed to be at the top of our game. <laughs> Praise God. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're at the top of our game. We're not under. God says, I'll make you the head and not the tail. To be above only and not beneath. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. So, so, so that's what happens. Uh, uh, the more we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the more we come under the influence of, and the more we are guided by Him, and the more we have discernment in regards to what He wants us to do and where He wants us to go and how to get through life by avoiding troubles and difficulties and, and get through difficulties and, and avoid disasters and avoid situations and, and so forth. Like there's just like a constant, a constant help going on. People just don't realize it. You know what? And this is not in your outline, but the Bible says that that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. How many of you are born again? Uh, just wave your hand at me. Uh, you're born again and you know it. Uh, that that you, you've been converted. That you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You are joined to the Lord. And you and the Holy Spirit are one spirit. One. <laughs> All right. Uh, and you know, sometimes people say, you know, I had a thought, I wasn't quite sure it was me or if it was the Holy Spirit. Well, I know what that feels like because the Holy Spirit like talks to me like all the time. And sometimes we just think it's us thinking. But the Holy Spirit helps us even with our thinking. He, and sometimes uh, somebody says, uh, oh, you know, when I speak in tongues, I'm not sure if this is me or if this is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I know what that feels like. Because we and, and, and the Lord... Holy Spirit in us is like this. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And there is, when the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence on, on the inside of us, there's like an intertwining of our spirit and the Holy Spirit. We're like so close that uh, sometimes it almost seems like, well, this is just, you know, this is like, you know, this is like just how we live. You know, this is like, we just, we just, uh, Go through life and we do this and we do that. You know, we, we don't realize how much the Holy Spirit helps us in just dealing with daily things, with daily issues. Uh, we don't realize how much of that is going on because, you know, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. You know, sometimes, uh, uh, just one way to describe that, the Bible says when, you know, a man and a woman get married, um, Bible says the two shall become one, and you know sometimes you look at uh, you look at husband and wife and they've been married for like a long, long time. You know they they almost start to come alike a little bit, and they know how each other thinks, and 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 you know like you ask one a question and the other one will answer the question. How many of you men find that uh, like somebody asks you a question and and the wife answers? I mean I mean how does that work? Anyway. 
because there's like a, a becoming alike more and more. And you know, the two shall become one. So there's still two people, but, but they become one. And when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit and he, he takes up residence on the inside of us, there's still two spirits there. There's our human spirit, the born-again spirit, and then there's the Holy Spirit. There's the older one intertwining that much of what goes on uh, in our lives is we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We just think it's us, but I'm suggesting it's the Holy Spirit helping us how to think, helping us how to feel, helping us what thoughts to think and what thoughts not to think, and helping us to make good decisions and, and, and so forth. And you know, the reality is if anything goes good in our lives, we ought not to take too much credit for it because it's the Holy Spirit working things out in our lives. And somebody might say, well, wow, you're really clever. Well, actually, it's the Holy Spirit giving us the wisdom. Amen. You know, that's the reality. All right. So once again, the more we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the more we have the helper helping us. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. We've been there before. I want to look at that again. It says, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. One translation says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, or timidity, or cowardice, but he's given us a spirit of power. See, when we get baptized with the Holy Spirit and we are filled, we become bold. One of the features of a spirit-filled believer is there's boldness there. There might have been timidity before, there might have been fear there before, but that turns into boldness. All right. The word power there speaks of, you know, the Hebrew word dynamis. It's kind of miraculous power, but it is also strength. It is ability. And, you know, there's an ability to live life in a victorious way rather than in a defeated sort of a way. And much of it comes back to how filled people will be. You know, if I were to take a balloon here, I think they've got some balloons in kids church today and by the way there's teaching going on about the holy spirit in children's church as well so if i were to take a balloon um and fill it with heat with a little bit of helium uh it kind of you know uh, if if i only put a little bit inside the balloon will still drop to the ground because its own weight is still heavier than the, than the lift that the helium provides how many know what helium is it's like a gas that that's lighter than the air that's why you know those balloons that go up it's uh, they're, they're stuffed full with, with helium but if i want this thing to rise up and to have victory i need to put some more helium inside and so it is if i'm defeated i need to be filled with the holy spirit more so i can have victory I and mean, it's just as simple as that uh, it's just it's just up to me it's rather than saying god determines whether we live a life of victory or defeat god says no he's planned a life of victory for every one of us just get filled with the Holy Spirit more. Learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit more. And it'll give you a lift. It'll make you buoyant. It'll lift you above the circumstances. I mean, sure, there's stuff going on in our lives that we can't control. But you know, as we go through certain situations, God just helps us to be strong. Amen. Power. He gives power. He gives love. You know, the love that the Bible speaks about here is not the kind of, you know, there's different kind of Hebrew words for different kinds of love. It speaks about brotherly love. It speaks about, uh, it speaks about eros, sexual love. But this word here is neither of those words. It is, it is the, the Greek word agape, and that's the God kind of love. The God kind of love which is selfless. So we can love even the unlovely. And if, if, even if people don't love us, we can still love them because their love here does not depend on any outside 
circumstances. It is a love that is fed from the Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of love, who is able to help us to love other people and to walk in love, to walk in forgiveness and so forth and to not in any way feel that we need to take revenge over something that's been done. We can just love people. So the spirit that God has given us is not a spirit of fear, but it is a spirit of power, a spirit of love. And where is that love? It's on the inside of us. It's on the inside. Someone said, well, I, I don't feel it. Well, get filled with the Holy Spirit a bit more. As I said, that's really the bottom line. It's like, how buoyant are you? And, and <laughs> you know, just get filled with the Holy Spirit a bit more. And it is a spirit of self-discipline. Self-discipline. Self-control. Uh, one translation says a sound mind. A sound mind. I tell you, when, uh, you know, that whole mind thing, uh, uh, we don't realize how much the Holy Spirit does and does want to help us with thinking good thoughts. And telling us to cast certain thoughts down. No, Holy Spirit said, don't go there. Nah, we're not dwelling on the hurts. Nah, we're not doing this. No, we're not going back in the past. It, Holy Spirit leads us to look forward. All right. And to look, have a positive outlook in life. The Bible says that the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter unto that day. And so our future is glorious. I don't care what the economy does around us. Our future is glorious. And so the Holy Spirit helps us to, to think right. Um, and uh, thinking back today before, uh, you know, sometimes we just get so used to things. Uh, uh, but thinking back before I was born again and filled with the Spirit, it's like, you know, it's just strange stuff going on in that head. Strange stuff, like I'm telling you, like just crazy thoughts. And I mean, I wasn't, you know, you would not have considered me a... Um, a crazy person, probably half crazy, but, uh, you know, with some of the stuff that I got into and got up to and just living like a rebel and, uh, you know, engaging in things I shouldn't engage in and, and, and drinking things I shouldn't have drunk and smoking things I shouldn't have smoked. And, you know, it's like at least half crazy. But, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes, he helps us to think good thoughts. And he helps us to make good decisions. And that whole aspect of self-control. Somebody says, I'm really struggling with this addiction. Or I'm really struggling with that. Get filled with the Holy Spirit more. And self-control is going to be the outworking of that. You'll be able to control yourself. Rather than substances controlling you. Or anger controlling you. Or depression controlling you. Or the past controlling you. It's like you're able to control yourself. Everybody say, control yourself. And we can't even say that the Holy Spirit controls us. Uh, he wants to, the more we get filled, but there's still free will in the middle of it all. And we choose where do we go, the way of the Holy Spirit, and the way that He leads us, or where do we go our own way and suffer the consequences. All right. So praise God. Uh, not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound and a disciplined mind or self-discipline, self-self-control. Um, in fact, so much so that Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, it's still speaking about the Holy Spirit. He says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Now, Jesus had already given them the Great Commission. He says, you go out, you preach the gospel, make disciples of all the nations. Go and, you know, preach the gospel and, and lay hands on the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and, and, and whatever. But, but, he says, don't leave, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't, don't go anywhere. 
until you have been endued with power from on high, until you are clothed with power from on high. And of course, we know that happened on the day of Pentecost. In fact, there were absolutely still in Jerusalem, 120 believers in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And at uh, 9 o'clock in the morning or sometime prior to that, uh, when Peter began to address the crowds after the whole thing had, had happened, uh, I said, these guys are just drunk. And Peter says, no, 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 it's too early for that. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. So the Holy Spirit was poured out in the morning. All right? Sometime in the morning. We don't know how long they spend inside, but it seems to me that when this whole commotion took place and everything, it was in the morning and people like running together, like what's happened here. Um, and so there is that whole aspect here where Jesus says, stay in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. In other words, don't go anywhere without the Holy Spirit. You know, they used to have a, a slogan for, was it one of the credit cards, uh, uh, don't leave home without it. Uh, was it MasterCard or Visa or something? Don't leave home without it. You know, people are more concerned to take the, the credit card with them than what they are to be filled with the Holy Spirit before they go out. <laughs> All right. So, so, so don't go anywhere. Don't, don't leave home in the morning without the Holy Spirit. And sometimes people say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm all right, I'm going to get myself filled. And then when it just goes way down again, I'll get myself filled. Listen, the Bible speaks of the spirit-filled life. Where in the morning when you get up, you're still filled from yesterday. And you get yourself topped up for today. Have you know that with your, with your car, when, when you fill up the petrol tank, you can like run it like right down, like I sometimes do, like I run it right down. I wonder how much further I can go. You know, I was sort of when it goes into the red, like I wonder how much further I can go. And uh, I can go from Wellington to Auckland on one tank, one tank of gas. It's amazing. And then I think oh, I'll go a little bit further, you know, like run it like right down. It's just a bit of a game, you know, a bit of a challenge. Uh, will I get stuck on the motorway running out of petrol? How embarrassing, you know, like... Uh, Amazing how we have sometimes, for this, I said, why don't you go and fill up something? No, I want to wait a little bit more. You know, I want to run it, run it like right down, and then I fill it like right up again. Well, don't do that with the Holy Spirit. Just stay, keep it topped up like all the time. <laughs> keep, keep topped up with the Holy Spirit like all the time. Don't wait until it gets way down. How do you know if it's way down? When you get all depressed, when you get all, 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 uh, all, all angry and all out of sorts, and that's when you're way down. All right. And we can tell who is spirit-filled and who is not. We, we can tell. <laughs> we know. Have <laughs> you driven up the Haywards? <laughs> I don't know if it's still there, but up on one of those water towers, it said, we know. <laughs> and that saying always tickled me. We know. I thought that was very clever. Like, gets everybody thinking, what do we know? <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> Praise God. But we know. And how, how do you know that I know when I'm spirit-filled and when I wait a bit too long and I let it rain? I know, I know when, when I'm not feeling right, when I get a bit, bit upset, a bit annoyed, and I kick the cat or kick the dog. Oh, I wouldn't do a thing like that. But, you know, uh, we, you know there's the saying, you know, kick, kick the cat. You know, just don't kick the cat. Uh, just kick yourself a little bit. Say, come on, boy, come on, come on, girl. Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit again and pull yourself up by the ears and say, come on, let's pray in tongues. Come on, let's be happy. Let's, let's, let's engage. Let's worship God. Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit once again. So don't go anywhere without being filled with the Holy Spirit. And people do that. In fact, Vanessa and I, before we had this wonderful teaching, like we go to church on a Sunday, and like, wow, we're so thrilled to be here. And, and we get into the prayer meeting. That was like an awesome church. Like the whole church 
is in the prayer meeting. I thought that was awesome. Um, the whole church is in the prayer meeting and then flowing on into the church service. And then like, you know, like, have you know that uh, when, you, when, when you get into the prayer meeting, you get better filled and, and stronger filled and more filled than if you just, you know, do a little bit of the, little bit of the church service, uh, you know, come late and leave early. And, you know, sometimes people like, run the, like to run their car like on, on as little petrol as what they can. Like, you know, let's just, let's just not use too much. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, there's more than enough. All right, let let let's let's receive everything we can. Let, let's go let's go for maximum rather than for minimum. All right, and so that whole aspect here, where where Jesus says, "Don't go anywhere." John 14:26. But the Helper, it's the same Helper that Jesus talked about just before, a few verses earlier. But the Helper. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. Everybody say all things. Well, praise God. People say, well, he will teach you when you read the Bible. Well, yes, he will. Absolutely he will. And, and he will help you understand the preaching of the word? Absolutely. If you stay attentive and, and, and you've asked God to help you, he will absolutely help you understand. But he will do much more than that. He will teach you all things. Like he will teach you how to, how, when you go to work in regards to how to interact with your boss and with your employer, with your employees, with your co-workers. He will teach you like step by step, like minute by minute. At least he wants to. And, and, and that's what's happening. And as I said before, you know, we would go to church and we get so thrilled and so excited and we get so filled um, because by the time we get it, the service starts. We've been speaking in tongues for, for a half an hour. How many know that speaking in tongues for half an hour, that gets you topped up? And, and then we go, uh, we, we'd leave and we get into the evening service and get another top up. And, and then, you know, we go into Monday and we do all right on Monday. We, uh, Tuesday, okay. Wednesday, uh, you know, Wednesday is just like it's three days now since we've been to church. And, 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 and then on Thursday, like you can see the downward slide. And on Friday, not feeling too great. And then Saturday, sometimes uh, uh, not the best day. And, and, and why is that? Because we have now let the tank like run way, way down. And then we get to church and we're absolutely thrilled. Let's get filled up again. But God says, no, don't just get filled on a Sunday. Get filled on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Live the Spirit-filled life. We use terminology about, you know, is this a Spirit-filled church? Well, is it? Is it? Is it? Just because they speak in tongues doesn't mean that they're Spirit-filled. I mean, we've come to understand that by now. So there's terminology uh, that we use, and sometimes we need to get back to the literal understanding of what it means to be spirit-filled. All right? Praise God. He says, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I say to you. It's amazing. It's amazing. There's scriptures, you know, I sort of try to read through the Bible, uh, you know, from beginning to end, then I read other portions, and then, of course, I study the Word for preparation, for preaching, and so forth. And sometimes I haven't been in a, in a, in a particular area, in a particular passage, and I go along, and suddenly I need something, and a scripture will come up that I might not have looked for months, or might not have read for months. But, but He will bring to your remembrance what you need, what you need. And this is the thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do so much more than what many people want help with. People say, well, help me with this, help me with that, and the rest I can do myself. But he wants to help us like all the time. He, he, 
He teaches us all things. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit is the teacher of the church. Sometimes people say, wow, you know, I heard so-and-so, you know, teach the word. Wow, what a great teacher. Well, it's actually the Holy Spirit that's the teacher. You can have the greatest of teachers in terms of an ability to teach and preach the word, but unless the Holy Spirit were out there in the congregation, in the listeners, and help people to grasp and to lay hold of truth, it's really just words that are not, that are not landing, that are not having any effect. So the spirit of wisdom and revelation is like hovering and, and helping us to connect things uh, to, to what we already know and understand and helps to clarify things and, and so forth. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance uh, that I, all things that I said to you. So that's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit. And if anybody is in any capacity of having to, having to like teach the word or, or having to lead small group or whatever, like you know, we usually we call it supernatural recall of the word, that we just trust God, that when we get to a certain place where we need to know a scripture, it's like supernatural recall of the word. It's good to memorize scripture, but even if we haven't memorized it, we, we know the Holy Spirit can draw it up. Because if we've read through the Bible from woe to go, the Holy Spirit's got something to draw up. Bring your remembrance. Bring your remembrance. He teaches us and he brings things to our remembrance. And in John 15 verse 26, and I'm just working my way through some of the scriptures that Jesus uh, brought in, in to bring, bring us into an understanding of the Holy Spirit. He says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father. Can you see what's happening here? It's, Jesus hasn't put out the Holy Spirit. The Father has put out the Holy Spirit. But the Father has put out the Holy Spirit on request from Jesus. It's like Jesus got to heaven and he was glad to be there. And he says, Father, it's good to be back again with you. But, but he says, you know what? I left the believers down there. And they need, they need a helper. I've just left them. I was the helper, but they need another helper. And would you send the Holy Spirit? And, and, and uh, absolutely the Father answered the prayer. And on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place, in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And the Father absolutely answered that prayer. And he poured out the Holy Spirit. And he's available to you and me today. Praise God. Praise God. So he says, whom the Father will send to you, um, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit, he says, he will testify of me. Well, how does he do that? He testifies of Jesus in and through us. He doesn't do it of, of, of his own self. Um, he, he, he testifies in and through us. And then, and then he, will, he will move on, on, on lost people and he tried to point them to Jesus. But lost people need to hear the gospel. If he could do it all by himself, we wouldn't have to go out to preach the gospel. We could have our little believers meetings and just be happy and just not worry about anybody else because the Holy Spirit takes care of everybody else. But that's not so. We need to preach the gospel and the Holy Spirit is right there. And he will convict people of their need for a savior. So it's not word and, you know, or the Holy Spirit, it's both. He says, he will testify of me. So what that means is when the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't draw attention to himself, but he draws attention to Jesus. He doesn't seek to be glorified himself. He wants to glorify Jesus. 
And I've said this before, but one of, uh, it seems to me, I could be wrong, but one of the reasons why there hasn't been uh, so much emphasis on the Holy Spirit is what there should be, because the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. And people have like missed the whole thing about the Holy Spirit and, and all of this teaching that we know and understand today. When the baptism of the Holy Spirit was restored to the church in 1906 at the outpouring of the Azusa Street Revival uh, in Los Angeles, like when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was restored to the church, it was a truth that had been lost for like for multiplied centuries. What a tragedy. And Christians like struggling on by themselves, doing the best that they can. I mean, there were individuals here and there that were filled that sort of managed to break into that. But as far as, a, as, as, as promoting the teaching, that didn't really get going until the Azusa Street revival, of which uh, we, we may speak about in weeks to come. We'll, we'll see how we go. He says, he will testify of me. He draws attention to Jesus. We soon know how filled somebody is with the Spirit if they always keep on drawing attention to themselves. They're not filled with the Spirit. Because when they're filled with the Spirit, the more filled we are, the more we want to draw the attention to Jesus. All right. John the Baptist, he says, I must decrease. He says, he must increase. I've got to fight to the background. Jesus has got to come to the foreground. And so it is with us. You know, ultimately, uh, as good as what it is for us to come together and, you know, to fellowship together, but the focus needs to be, uh, you know, like after we've, you know, greeted each other and welcomed everyone, let the focus be on Jesus. We worship Jesus. We lift up our hands to Jesus. We come and bring our tithes and our offerings. We want to give it to Jesus. And it's like the whole thing is all about Jesus. You know, as they say, you know, the song, like, give me Jesus in the morning. Give, give me Jesus at noon. Give me Jesus at nighttime. And let me dream about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Praise God. John 16, 7. Jesus still speaking about the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now he's telling them, guys, I'm, I'm about to go. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'll be crucified. I'll die. He says, but I'll rise again on the third day. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. All right. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Like if Jesus, for, for some you know, reason, would not have left, the Holy Spirit would not have come. And then Jesus was limited to be in one place at one time. Because Jesus uh, is like the, God the Son chose to limit himself to one body, to be in one place at one time. But when the Holy Spirit came, he's poured out right around the world. And every believer can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be led by the Spirit, have their own individualized helper. You know, nowadays, it's like, it's amazing with technology. Um, have you know who Siri is? Siri? Some of you know about Siri. Uh, Siri is this lady. Um, she's actually only an electronic uh, person, like, you know, in the, in the virtual world. Anybody that's got an Apple um, iPhone or an iPad or something, you know, the, the later one have got this built-in Siri thing, like you need, you need something. You, in fact, I've got to watch what I say. I call Siri and she'll come up and uh, she says, what would you like help with? You know, like, have you, have you ever heard Siri's voice? A friend of mine, <laughs> a friend of mine, a pastor friend, uh, he's he just playing around, you know, we're just having fun. So he brings out his iPhone and he says, uh, Siri, um, 
what would you like help with or whatever she says he says oh siri sing me a song you know like he's kind of playing around a bit sing me a song and because siri tells me tells him that she doesn't sing songs and then it just goes on and on and it's all very hilarious but you know what uh, uh, many people rely more on siri and on google and on who knows what than they rely on the holy spirit all right, because whilst they tell me that Siri knows quite a bit, I don't use Siri a great deal. Occasionally, I might say Siri this or Siri that, but uh, you know, like uh, like they tell me she knows a bit, but the Holy Spirit knows everything. Everything. All right, He knows everything. He knows what's going to happen as you travel to work. He knows what's going to happen on the way home. He, he in fact, he he kind of knows the future, and he knows the past. Some people are confused about the past. God knows about the past. He can help you put the pieces in place and then walk away from there. Just, just not, not let it bother you anymore. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. Uh, the Helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, verse 8, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You know, the Holy Spirit is not just a, there's a function in the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and there is a different function in the life of the unbeliever uh, and the functions are not the same um, he says when he he will convict the world of sin the world is in lost people all right uh, people that are not born again he will convict the world of sin um, of righteousness and of judgment he says of sin because they do not believe in me um, you know they say that the ultimate sin is to not believe in Jesus you know, it's been said before, but ultimately, people don't go to hell for breaking God's commandments, but they go because everybody breaks the commandments. Ultimately, people go to hell for rejecting Jesus, refusing to believe in Jesus. That is ultimately the sin that will be held against people. And that's exactly what uh, Jesus himself is talking about here. He says, of righteousness. You know, there is such a thing called self-righteousness, where people say, I don't need Jesus. You know, like I haven't, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't robbed any banks. I haven't, you know, I haven't, um, you know, I've done, it, done anything wrong. Well, everybody, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And righteousness, the Bible says, our own righteousness before God is like filthy rags. God can't stand it. <laughs> Praise God. So He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness end of judgment and he's telling us here that he says of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged how do you know that the devil has been judged i mean he's still operating today but he's been defeated and you and i as believers we are called to enforce the defeat of the devil upon him because jesus has already defeated him and god wants us to use our authority to kind of keep the devil down keep him out not out out of our own lives and out of our own families but keep him out of our communities and to push him out push him out and to preach the gospel to bring people in push the devil out bring people in all right so in in the message translation it kind of puts puts this in a really cool way here uh, john 16 8 message translation when he comes the holy spirit he will expose the error of the godless world's view of sin righteousness and judgment he will show them that their refusal to believe in me is their basic sin all right, their refusal to believe in me is the basic sin of the world. And it says that righteousness comes from above. So righteousness is given rather than earned. 
We don't produce righteousness out of our own lives. It is from above. It is a gift. He says, uh, where I am with the Father out of their sight and control, and the judgment takes place as the ruler of this godless world is brought to trial and convicted. Who is that ruler? It is Satan who rules in people's lives, who rules in the world, rules over the world systems, rules over the nations in many respects. And, you know, the more a nation is in trouble, the more we know that the devil rules them. And some nations are just a mess. I mean, praise God for democracy. Praise God that we're able to elect our own leaders. I mean, what a blessing that is. Uh, but yet the devil still tried to get in and he tried to mess up politics, tried to mess up, you know, this and tried to mess up education, tried to mess up that and everything. The devil rules. People say, well, why is there so many wars? Well, because the devil is in operation. We can't blame God for the wars. God, the Bible tells us that, that, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The devil stirs up wars and strife and people killing each other. That's all the devil's work. So ultimately, as we've said before, people don't go to hell because they've broken God's commandments. Ultimately, people go to hell because they reject Jesus. All right? Because they reject Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you haven't received him yet, uh, I encourage you, I'd say, don't leave this place until you have received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Don't put it off. Don't like say, well, I have to think about it for the next two years. You mightn't have two years. Just a tragic situation last week. Um, it was Thursday, Friday. I went to the funeral of, uh, of the son of one of our Bible college students, 20 years old, got killed in a car accident. I mean, what a tragedy that is. And uh, there was two decisions that this young man made, and it was all part, it all came out as part of the funeral, uh, in different people speaking. There's two decisions that have ultimately affected his life uh, permanently. The first decision was that two weeks ago, or it's now three weeks ago, he got born again. He's in a church service, and he, 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 he accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. That was the good decision. But then he made a bad decision. He ran out with his mates and he ran out, you know, get into stuff that he shouldn't have and got himself, uh, you know, into a state where he shouldn't have driven the car. He drove the car and he, he, got, he got himself killed. So two decisions. Uh, he, 20 years old, he's now gone. All right. But at least, praise God, he's gone to heaven. All right. And, and, and so people say, well, I'll, 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 <laughs> I give my life to Jesus when I'm old. You mightn't get old. <laughs> All right. You mightn't get old. Praise God. Hallelujah. So here we go. He says, um, he says it's to your advantage that I go away. And because we know he went. And in fact, Jesus rose, rose from the dead uh, at uh, Passover, uh, which coincided with our Easter feast around March, April. And then the Holy Spirit was poured out in May month of May, because there's 50 days between Passover and the day of Pentecost. So he says, when I go, Holy Spirit will be poured out. Praise God. John 16, verse 13. However, when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He speaks. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a mind of His own as much as he's connected in with the Father and with Jesus. And whatever the Holy Spirit hears from the Father, that's what he speaks. There's nothing wrong with him. 
It's not like he, he can't stand on his own feet or anything. You know, sometimes people make up sort of stuff. But, I mean, but the Holy Spirit, whatever, you know, the Father tells him to say that's what he says. And so it's like when we hear the Holy Spirit, we can be absolutely certain that Jesus has, has told him to say this, that the Father has told him to say that, and he's the one. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the head of the church, but, but literally, Jesus is in heaven now. But the Holy Spirit is in the earth. And, and Jesus speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. He says, He will guide you into all truth, will not speak of His own authority, whatever He is, He speaks, and He will tell you things to come. He will tell you things to come. One translation says, He will show you things to come. With the Holy Spirit on the inside of us and being Spirit-filled, we have a sense of what's happening in the future. We, we get insights. We don't need to know everything in the future, but certain things we need to know. I mean, there's been numerous times, um, you know, little things like, uh, you know, my thing, what's that? Well, it's just little things like the Holy Spirit is like always there. I'm, I'm on my way traveling home, and, and, and I'd like to hear the words, when you get home, so-and-so is going to be there. I, I, I'm talking not just family, but somebody's visiting, so-and-so is there. How would I have known that? He shows us things to come. And it's little things. And as we train ourselves to recognize the voice of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to talk all the time. All the time. He doesn't just speak at the beginning of the year, maybe in the middle of the year, and again at the end of the year. He speaks to us all the time. Day by day. Hour by hour, minute by minute. He just is like, like always right there. He's the one that lives on the inside of us. He says, and, and he says, verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. See, the Holy Spirit does exactly that. He will declare Jesus and the kingdom of Jesus to us like all the time. And he will tell us how to live the life of the kingdom. And he will tell us uh, things that are okay and things that are not okay. And he leads us and guides us on a day-by-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute basis. Let's become more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Let's become more sensitive to the leading that He will even teach us what to say in any given situation. And uh, very quickly now as we wind down, uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, um, Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter and his mates had just received the Holy Spirit. He's now preaching the gospel to lost people, to the Jews who had not yet been saved. He says, you guys repent. And he says, uh, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you also will receive the Holy Spirit. And here it is, verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children. And the Bible tells us here that our children need the Holy Spirit as well. Children, there's teaching going on in our children's church right now on the Holy Spirit because this is part of the, 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 the now where for us is a, is a local church. And, and we, we, we encourage pe- children to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues at a certain age and to encourage them into that. I'll tell you what, kids today need the Holy Spirit more than what kids needed the, needed the Holy Spirit 50, 80, 100 years ago. With everything that's going on, with like, you know, television and computers and tablets and phones and, and stuff at school and, and drugs and stuff that's going on. Our children need the Holy Spirit, all right, so that they can operate in power, in love, and in self-control. So they know how to think and how not to think. 
You know, because, because now, you know, governments are getting a bit heavy-handed now. You know, in the education system now, they're now suggesting that schools ought to consider school uniforms that are unisex. They're neither boy nor girl. It's all part of that agenda. You know, they're sort of trying to make out now that people are supposed to be asexual, like not, not subscribe to any, any sex or toggle back and forth between the two. Like what a tragedy. Our kids need the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you. <laughs> they need the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Uh, he says, for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as God will call. And when he speaks about those who are far off, that's afar off in time and afar off in place. And we, we, have, we are afar off in time from when this took place. Holy Spirit is to us today. Praise God. Everybody can receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Just receive Jesus and then you're ready for it. Uh, very quickly, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Uh, it shall come to pass afterwards, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Here it is. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. You see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for our children so that they too can be filled, so that they too can prophesy. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Somebody was preaching on that the other day and, and, and they said, I'm still seeing visions. And I thought that was good. It's like subscribing that we actually are still young, praise God. But if you're seeing visions already, praise God for that. Uh, or dream dreams, either is fine. In fact, I'm wondering sometimes if I'm doing a bit of both already. Praise God. Visions and dreams. When we get baptized with the Holy Spirit, there are visions and dreams. There's prophetic utterance. We can speak prophetically. And not just when we say, thus says the Lord, and begin to prophesy. It's all wonderful and necessary and very much of God's plan. But sometimes we can just speak to each other in everyday language and conversation. We're actually speaking prophetically. <laughs> <laughs> If, you, if you're endeavoring to help anybody spiritually, you better know how to speak prophetically. If you're counseling somebody, you better know how to speak prophetically. Praise God. So, he says, old men shall dream dreams, young men shall visions. And on my manservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This is radical. In the Old Testament, by and large, um, Holy Spirit used men, males. But God, Jesus says there's now a new covenant. And in this new covenant, there's going to there's be the ladies are going to be used powerfully. The ladies are going to be filled. As I said today, it's like, well, what's the big deal? It's a very big deal. It's a very big deal. That women are anointed to be able to do the same thing that men could do in terms of prophesying, in terms of preaching, in terms of, you know, doing whatever, teaching and so forth, that, uh, that God does not make any distinction between male and female. He put out His Spirit upon all flesh. Male flesh, female flesh, men, women, and children. Nobody's left out. So lay your hands on your kids and get them filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, so come on, open your mouth. Let's speak. I tell you, kids just kick into it just like that. Hallelujah. He says, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and uh, blood and fire and pillar of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, whoever, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when there's an outpouring of the Spirit, 
and people get filled with the Holy Spirit, there's prophecy, their visions, their dreams, and their salvations. Prophecy, the whole gifts thing, and their salvations. If we claim that we're in the middle of an outpouring and nobody gets saved, we're, we're only just, uh, you know, trickling around like, you know, like ankle deep. We will see salvations to the extent that we are prepared to get into the river. We will see miracles to the extent that we ourselves uh, allow ourselves to float in the river of the Holy Spirit. I just reminded that uh, this conference that uh, some of us have just been doing, I was just talking to the heads of the Rhema ministry from Australia and uh, reminded us when Vanessa and I went to some of Kenneth Hagen's uh, camp meetings and what he calls Winter Bible School, they would run a camp meeting in the month of uh, July, if my memory serves me correct. And Winter Bible School was in January, and Brother Hagen just teached the word. Uh, and, uh, and, then, uh, and then he would pray for people, and he would lay hands on people. And, uh, and there's like laughter, there's like joy, and there's like, I mean, there would be two, two good-sized ushers be alongside Brother Hagen, one hold him on this side and one hold him on that side, and they kind of drag him around. He's like drunk in the spirit, and he's laying hands on people. He said they had a whole row of people lined up, a whole row of people, and he kind of stagger, and he'd point in that direction. The ushers carry him, and he'd tell everybody to face his way, and he'd lay hands on the first one, and like a domino, like... The whole lot just went over in the spirit, and there was like, there was like, a, a, and you know, that's the atmosphere where miracles begin to happen. That's the atmosphere where salvations begin to happen because people are convinced that God is in our midst. When everything is so prim and so proper and everything, everything is so cut and dried, people might as well go to a social club. And people come to church and they see the power of God in operation. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, in terms of stepping into the river, it's just not, just not about you and what you're comfortable with. It's what we need. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need to get deeper into the river. Loosen up a little bit. And lay down your dignity and become Holy Spirit dignified and, and just step into the river because God wants to do so much more. You know, sometimes they say, we haven't even scratched the, the surface yet. And somebody says, we haven't even scratched a scratch on the surface. I'm sure we're deeper than that. But praise God, we haven't arrived yet. Holy Spirit has us still speaking about the baptism, about being filled because there's more to come. There's more available. But, you know, if we got the brakes on, in certain areas I'll go this fine, no further. There's people around us that are going to go to hell because we put the brakes on. Let's step in. Let's go for it. So Joel the prophet prophesied hundreds of years before it finally took place about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And of course we know that, uh, and we'll close with this, that in uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 14, uh, when the day of Pentecost had come and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter standing with the eleven raised his voice and he said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my, my words. These are not drunk as usual polls seeing it is only the third hour of the day. It's only like nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. He says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. They knew because they were Jewish proselytes. 
There were Jews and Jewish proselytes, followers of Judaism, converts to Judaism that had come together from the, all, from the then known world all into Jerusalem for the festival. And when they said the prophet Joel, they said, we, we, we remember. The priests taught us about that. Well, Peter says, well, this is that. What you see in here today, this is that. This is the fulfillment of what God prophesied through the prophet Joel. So he says, what you, what you guys are seeing now, this is exactly what's going on right now. And this is like the beginning of, of the age of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the book of Acts, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, right through to Acts chapter 28. And of course, that's when they stop writing. But you know, the book of Acts is still being written in the sense that the Holy Spirit is still operating. You know, we're still in the church age. There's still, there's still stuff going on. There's still history being created. There's still more people getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's still people coming into the fullness of the Spirit. There's people still getting saved and, and need to get saved because that's what it's all about. Amen. It's ultimately, it's whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're going to like stop right here. As always, you know, we just ran out of time in the end, but uh, praise God. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you that if you haven't already done so, step into the river. Step into the river. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. And don't just let it happen between Sunday and Sunday, but every day, every day speak in tongues. Every day get refilled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the initial sign uh, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was to speak it in tongues. And we've said this before, but speaking in tongues again and again causes us to be refilled again and again and again. So we can l truly live the Spirit-filled life. If you're struggling anywhere, in any area, get more filled. That's the answer. You don't need, you know, people say, oh, I need help from this. I need a professional for that. I need this. Just get more filled with the Holy Spirit. Just get more filled. Get more filled. Amen.